Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion Winning. is to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice. Crucial role is high fit. Compassion. Great. Passion. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate goal. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Hello ladies and gents and welcome to another awesome episode of The Row Show. Uh, we have a stellar cast for our regatta madness today. It's As always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton, with me. It's Jake Green, and today, like Lawrence mentioned earlier, we are joined by an honorary guest on the show, Martin Cross. Thanks for being with us. With us, it's awesome to to have you back on the show. It's a real privilege, guys. Thank you ever so much for asking. Now, it's always awesome to to have you on the show. Get your knowledge and your your rowing wisdom into the the insights of the regatta, and yeah, and also thanks for all the shout outs. You you should give us. <laughs> Plenty of airtime during the the commentary, which is great. So yeah, no, it's uh, I think it's a very beneficial relationship. Yeah. So Martin, just uh, giving us a little bit. You know, I think this weekend was number one beautiful. Just from watching the the footage, I couldn't believe. I've been told that Bled was a stunning place to row, but I couldn't believe the shots we we're getting from the drone footage. So. Give us a little bit of, of an idea of what it was like there to, to be there in person and idea because the facilities looked beautiful. The town at the start line, it looks ideal. So, I mean, what a wonderful weekend, what a wonderful weekend and what a wonderful place to have the European champs. Yeah, I, I think, you know, everybody comes there at first and you, 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 you enter through the town and then, you know, your first connection with the lake, it's say if you walk down, and quite a few athletes do walk down, you know, a kilometre and a half to the boating area, is the start area um, right in the centre of the town. There's this kind of path with all these people and you're just like the pontoons are just like touching distance away. And, and then you kind of look up and you've got this huge vertical cliff on top of which is this castle and you're kind of going wow and then this clear azure blue water and your eyes just go down the boy lines and then you you meet this island with this church on the you know which looks incredibly picturesque and then you mm. can just about see down to the bottom to that finish bowl and it and it's like this is like the perfect course I mean, it, it looks like the perfect course. So many athletes were just like, you know, there for the first time and everyone was saying how amazing it was. Mm. Um, and But the other thing was everyone, a lot of people were going on about the water. Um, and, and that's the thing with Bled. You've, you've got a stunning location, but you do have challenging conditions. With the with the rough water, a lot of these like open courses, you know, and Bled is it's like almost like a round lake, and it's got that island in the middle that gives a bit of shelter, and you definitely get a bit of swell uh, build up. I, I don't know if it's coming from the motorboats or you know other crews racing and warming up, but even when because I raced back in 2011, I think there's been one more regatta hosted there since then. I think maybe a, a World Cup. Or first yeah, World Cup 20, 2014 maybe. Yeah, somewhere there there was there was another race, but and I remember both of those times also people worrying about the the wash, but I think from a 
as a pure spectator for this regatta, it was incredible. I think the footage, I wish we had more. I wish we had those semifinals to watch because all the drone shots, all the the, the visuals coming through were incredible. Yeah. Great to watch. And, you know, the, the, the water was tricky, but it looked even across the lanes. And I think that's, for me as an athlete, it's one thing to row in rough water. It's one thing to row in a lake where your lane is, seems rougher than everyone else's. So I don't think it's such a big issue that there's a bit of chop or a bit of um, kind of rough conditions because it, it looks fair, at least for all six crews rowing, rowing down the track. Yeah, I think that that's exactly right. And, 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 and that's why I think rowers will keep wanting to go back there. I mean, there is talk of going back there in the next Olympic cycle, possibly for a championships. Mm. Um, which oh, I think is so worth it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. definitely a disservice to the sport. Not, I think, when you have a location like that, not uh, using it as a um, as a way to to grow the sport and just market it a little bit better, because mm. it literally looks like a fairy tale. But I think um, to kick off the racing, I wanna I wanna start at a really strong point, and for me, definitely a contender for the race, the racing of the regatta is uh, on Saturday, we had a fantastic final in the men's eight. And I cannot remember the last time I saw a race develop how, develop how it did. And it was, it was brilliant to see three elite crews performing at top, top tier. And I think it's always a pleasure when you watch crews in the men's eight have such strong performances, uh, namely the Romanians, um, Great Britain, and the, and the Netherlands. And Martin, I mean, tell us about how that that race unfolded before you. I mean, did you did you think that the Romanians had what they had in the in the last five hundreds to to almost take that that gold medal? No, I, I it, it was really strange because I think you know we didn't have any world eights at the first World Cup, so this was kind of like the first eights race of the season. Yeah, and I had in mind. You know, when I'd last seen the British eight, for example, at the World Championships, they were dominant. And, you know, it's kind of you think, you know, they're a year older. They've maybe strengthened the eight a little bit, uh, brought Jacob Dawson back in. And so when they went out at, and, and they won the heat, I think, fairly comfortably. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I kind of thought I was going to be a bit boring. Um in one sense, because I just expected the British to win. And then, um, and, and then they did lead through the 500. But then in the middle of the race, um, Romania quite close up. And then the Dutch, I thought, started moving really well through the, the middle thousand metres. Yeah. Um, they really thought they could win that race, I think. And I... I sort of thought, oh, the Dutch are going to win now. They're going to move through the British. It didn't seem like the British had an answer to that sort of pace that the Dutch had. Mm. And so, um, and then the, the kind of situation stabilised a bit and, and Britain just sort of held off the Dutch move. And I thought oh, I was wrong about that. But then the Romanians are just there attacking, attacking, attacking. I mean, it was a feature, I think, particularly the women's crews from Romania, mm. But, but all the crews, what they showed in the last 500 metres and, um, and, and that eight, the way they accelerated through the British and they were leading coming into the... It, w- it was just that straight. The, the Romanians were right 
at the front of the stroke with the mm. boat moving the slowest as they crossed the line. And the yeah. British were on the faster bit of the stroke. But the yeah, Romanians... Yeah, the surge. Yeah. The Romanians, I think, were ahead. If the line had been before or after, the Romania would have won. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of rowing races have been have been decided on the on the surge of the boat. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the, Jake said to me before when we were, when we were chatting, just kind of um, before we we got recording, is that Romania's ability to sprint as a whole country, like every single boat class, if you anywhere near them, if they level with you going into the last hundred hundred fifty meters, you're in uh, deep, deep trouble. trouble. And they can they seem to start sprinting like earlier than most crews. And take it much higher than on the rate side than most of the other crews and, near them. And just before, just to add on to Lawrence's point, Martin, what I find really interesting about Romania is they they are higher rating country, especially I think in the sweep on the sweep side they operate at a much higher stroke rate. And you naturally assume if a, if a crew is operating at forty plus uh, strokes in the middle of the race, they're going to have a diminished ability to be able to yeah. go higher. It's, but for some reason, you know, Romania have got this ability to go to the 45 and, and, yeah. and still produce 40, speed and keep it together. 47, 47 they just go up. There's no, it seems to be no I'm limit. I'm trying to think which boat class, which race it was. One of the, the races, the, the Romanians were at 47 at the end. Um, it could have been the women's double or the men's pair possibly mm. as well. You yeah, were, I, were right up. I need to have a, to- a longer talk with... Antonio Colomanici, the the guy who's sort of responsible, the architect of Romanian rowing. Um, mm. But I, you know, I, I mean, they kind of look okay at forty one. But you know, you then you compare, you look at them across to another crew like the British, who mm. are maybe you know thirty seven or thirty eight, and and you kind of think, oh, they might not have anywhere to go. But every single time. I think the Romanians did peak for this in the sense of their funding um, for the season is dependent on the European Championship results. And I think we saw it again um, last year in the European Championships in Munich. Some really good results from Romania, perhaps better than the World Championships. No, Romania definitely take... Europeans seriously they they it's which but it's funny to me that their funding is based off European champs I like for me there's not much that doesn't make that much sense to me why would they choose Europeans over world champs or the Olympic Games I I was talking I don't understand that myself but I was talking to World Rowing to Anne-Marie Phelps, who's the European board president, and Rosie McLaughlin, who's the, um, I think she runs the competition commission. And that they were in the, the van on the way back to the airport. And they were both saying, you know, um, for a lot of Eastern European countries, and, and Romania was mentioned, especially Romania, their funding is dependent on a performance at the Europeans, which is mm. why Rowing has the Europeans. I mean, because it, it, it is... It's kind of an inconvenient regatta in some ways. I mean, I think the first World Cup, we had so few entries, sadly, for Zagreb because everyone was going to come to the Europeans. Yeah. I mean, basically, World Cup Europeans has cannibalized World Cup 1 completely. Yeah. And, 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 and Zagreb lost significant amount of money on that World Cup 1. 
You know, yeah. one of the Slovenian guys was was telling me that they lost over a hundred thousand euros. Mm. I believe it, and then it was a big point of ours after World Cup one on our on the regatta madness is that we don't we feel like world rowing is like competing with themselves. You know, having World Cup one and Europeans so close, whereas it would make sense to go and compete against you know Pedaluco and all the other regattas that are earlier with World Cup one. To yeah, you moved that, World Cup one earlier, then you could compete against other regattas, not your own regatta. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be really good just to, to have had that earlier regatta. You've got the Irish there, you've got the Romanians there. Um, I don't think I don't think you get the Italians because they all go to Pietroluco. But um, mm. yeah, it, it, I, I think it needs more of a sense. It, it does seem that. After this Olympic cycle, I'm kind of like getting smoke messages from World Rowing that things, there are going to be a lot of thoughts, things might change, and they're going to look at things differently. Um, and and those messages are, are, are sort of coming out that this, this is going to be a rethink after this Olympic cycle. Yeah, well, it, it would be a good time to do it considering the change of... Uh, distance for for the LA games so I think it would be a, it's like a good transitional period where there's there seems to be the you know the ability to change more so than it yeah. has in the past on the, on yeah. the men's eight I think um, to an extent and although Britain won I think it was a disappointing result for the British yeah in in that um, they kind of said they didn't have such a good row. But then I'm not sure in those conditions if anyone has a good row. Yeah. But it's clearly they're so close now with the Romanians and the Dutch that, you know, it's like, well, we need, we need, this is no good for us. We need to move on. We need to have a bigger margin. So that they've got to kind of look to do stuff. Um, um, yeah, I, I agree with you too. And I, I think they're, um, with with the Olympics finishing, I get the sense that the Great Britain as a country somehow got a, a a head start. They seem to have made the most of the post-Olympic year last year. And just watching this weekend's racing, maybe in the men's eight and some other events, I sort of got the sense that there was a bit of a catch-up from other nations having that that year post-Olympics. Because sometimes I feel like the post-Olympic year can can. Um, you know, there's a sort of sense of decompression from a lot of big big nations the year after the Olympics, getting their boats back up to speed, athletes back in the game, getting momentum going. So maybe there was a bit of an element of uh, the, the other big nations like Romania and the Netherlands having to... But I think when I look back momentum. at last year, it's, it's for me, it's on the depth that the British team has. You know, they can a bunch of athletes can retire and they can fill those spots with mm. their next athletes. And those next athletes on the drop off is not nearly as big as, as most of the other countries. I feel like even some of the other big countries like Germany and stuff, once you, you know, five people retire, the next five people are not on this, that are not as close mm. Whereas the British team seems to be able to like, just pick new people that are, you know, just slightly behind. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys in American universities. Mm. I mean, I know I know a fair few countries have um, team members in America, but the British team seem to have quite a few, and they use them really well in the under twenty threes. 
So they, they, you know, these guys, like the four who were all first timers at the World Championships last year, they were all kind of under 23 gold medalists. And, mm. and now the, the, the thing that was slightly ridiculous is that you've got two world champions in the four, Will, Will, um, Will Stewart and Sam Nunn, I think. I hope I got the names right. Um, who were the spare pair. And they're, they're going around doing the spare pairs race and helping the other, helping, you know, the other boats carry their blades and that. And they're two world champions and they're not even in the team. Mm. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. And let's, using this as a good segue to go into the British Four. I mean, we, I feel like you had the, the British Eight that's, that had a much tighter race, whereas last season they were just walking the whole field, the whole way, the whole, every single regatta. And the men's four, though, Europeans, what a dominant performance. I don't think, I said to Lawrence before this, I think um, out of all the crews, I think the GB men's four was rowing the most smooth out of the whole regatta. The looseness and the fluidity of their rowing stroke in those rough conditions the whole way down the track, I thought was exceptional. And they seem to have held that momentum from last year. You know, I think they've got a, a man of exceptional talent in the stroke seat. You know, I, I, I was looking at Ferry Davison last night because we flew back um, from Ljubljana on the same flight. And you wouldn't think, you know, this guy, to, to look at him, he's not one of the best rowers in the world. He's not, he's not like the biggest, you know, he looks fairly mm. slight. But when you see his pattern of movement, um, and it's not just in that four, you know, I, I watched him when he rode in the boat race and even as a junior for St. Paul's School, he's so fluid around the back turn and so easy with his movement. And um, the lad who's in, in the three seat is a real sort of piece of action. I mean, he's, he's a big piece of kit. Matt Aldridge, who was yeah. substituted last year, but he just provides the solidity behind that lad, Freddie Davison. Um, and and then, you know, there's, there's two guys in, in the bows of that boat that just pick up on the rhythm, um, under 23 medalists, and, um, and, and the boat flies. I was kind of expecting it would be a bit more like the men's eight. I was really surprised by how much they won by. Yeah, no, I, I thought they... I wouldn't say for me they had the maybe not the most dominant uh, performance of the regatta, but maybe the second most dominant performance of the regatta. And you know, I think yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would, I can't wait to see how the Australian four is going to look like um, when they. Come Alex into Hill, picture. I've heard is is in the four. Have you heard that? Yeah. No, I haven't heard much coming from down under, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Alex Hill, I suspected based off how last year went, the, the natural thing for him would to, was, was to move back to the four. I think maybe the pair, I know he wanted to race the skull and that didn't work out. And then the pair, he had r- good racing in the pair, but you know, I don't think he, he probably didn't get the, from what he wanted from the pair. Yeah. And you know, the, once he seems to be a very talismanic rower in that Australian system. So I'm sure once he's back in the four, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool to see how they perform. The yeah, definitely. what I'm what I'm excited to see now actually is that I don't even I don't think they've done it on purpose, but because they've had such a successful European regatta, we've had a taste of what all the Europeans can do. And now we're gonna go into, you know, World Cup two and hopefully we get 
you know, a few of the, you know, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, America coming in. And, you know, it's just going to add that like extra layer of, you know, complexity to the racing and mm. a, that element of unknown into the the next set of, of racing. I think it's going to be, I can't wait for, for the second World yeah. Cup. It's going to be incredible yeah. to Likewise. watch adding those crews in. Yeah, really excited to see what happens in Verosi. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then staying on the men's four, I thought the, you know, the Dutch fall again, looking very strong and seems to be a very consistent combination from their racing last year coming to the first World Cup. And then on the second point is the impact. Maybe this is the beginning of the, of the impact that Jürgen Grobler is having on the, the French rowing system is that French fall. That's a markedly good increase in performance compared to last year and previous years, but that we've seen from the French, uh, French four, um, racing and taking a medal, um, against the, the, the Romanians and the Dutch. So I think a very interesting performances coming out of the men's four. And that's yeah, the top absolutely. four, I think, I think that's the top boat. That's Jürgen's, um, top boat at the moment as, as far as I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, outside of the men's double. Yes. Mm. Although, Outside of men's double, yeah. that's arguable after this weekend's <laughs> racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that um, I think the the fours was a brilliant race, especially for for the Saturday fixtures. It was, um, I mean, sorry for this for the Sunday fixtures. It was right up there, and um, but on the percentage wise, Martin, because I don't know if you saw the the sheet that I I sent to the, did, the yes. Patreon group. Uh, they came kind of mid-range, so really, really close between the, um, you know, there was a lot of crews in that 97% on both days, Saturday and Sunday, um, felt quite yeah. consistent. And then, and most crews going in the 97, the four, just kind of just below it. And then Jake, what boat class are we jumping to next? I think Martin, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on the com- the comeback of Donata Caroline uh, in the Lithuanian double. Oh, that for me was again one of the best performances from the weekend. Was her race against for me up until this point? I don't. You said in the race, I don't think I've ever seen the Romanian double ever being challenged, and mm. that Lithuanian double almost had that race in the bag. And I think it's really exciting because. It's always cool to see a crew doing so well, but a bit of uh, uh, a bit of competition is not a bad thing, and especially coming from someone like Lithuania. Well, um, it's really interesting that you, you know you say that. I was very fortunate to be able to chat to Donata um, the afternoon before the race, and I, I I didn't really understand her backstory so much, um, but you know she she's been through through quite a lot you know she's a mum she's got she's got two kids um I know that hasn't always been easy uh, but she now thinks with uh, Dovil Rinkute that she's found this new partner that is really um something special and and I think you know um you know without breaking any confidences I, I think when you get into your 30s you kind of wonder if you still had have got the same vibrancy that you had when you were just in your early twenties. Mm. Um, but but you could see it was absolutely there in that race, and and you know she um, 
she and I were talking about her racing as a single sculler in um, bled in 2011 and trying to qualify for London, which she I think she came ninth and qualified the boat for London. Um, and then it's almost like she had no fear, but absolutely the way they went out in that race, it was like they mm. had no fear. They they just absolutely gave it to the Romanians, and um, it was great to watch. Yeah, it's almost like watching a young crew. You know, mm. you expect that kind of race profile from, uh, you know, some under-23s that have just won and they, they're coming in to kind of disrupt the field. And they came in guns blazing. They put the the Romanians under huge pressure. And I was still so impressed with the Romanians being able to, you know, a, a crew that hasn't had that pressure put on them for quite a while, to be able to just sit comfy, control their, their kind of the narrative of the race and then sprint through and take it in the last two or three strokes. Yeah, it, it, the only thing I'd say is that I don't think that Bodner and Radis were at the top of their game in as much as Colomanici entered Andrea or Andrada Morisano, um, the under-23 um, doubles champion from last year, mm. in a double with Bodner. And I think he put Radis in the single. Yeah, he and, did. That was in the entry list. Yeah, and... Um, and then I kind of said why, and he basically said that there was something going on with Bodnar. I don't know what, uh, whether it was an issue or it was some a medical stuff. So maybe their double wasn't at the top of their game. I, I'm just surmising there. Mm. Um, but even so, I think <laughs> the time was really quick, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. so they, they might have been not been at the top of their game, but I mean, they still rode 99% of the world record. <laughs> so if they were on top of their game, then they would have yeah, broken yeah, the record. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah. They, they really did um, destroy the the field. It, it actually was so surprising. I mean, on the percentages side, they came through, I mean, they rode where I'm just looking 640.8. So basically three seconds off the, the world record, 99%. Yeah. And when yes. they broke, they broke that, when they raced that and they hit that time, they were even third place. Even the Dutch in the, in third place were the third highest percentage of the day. Um, I think the Croatians beat the Croatians pipped them later in the in the in the men's double, but that's the only crew that was faster yeah. than the. So it was if you look at the top four percentages of the day: Romania women's double, Lithuania women's double, Croatia men's double, Netherlands women's double. Yeah. So it's really, yeah. I mean, that is top top performance um, from the the women's double. It shows you how hectic that boat class is, and the I, the I, pressure I, that is that they those yeah. crews are under. We we mentioned the Dutch there, and and one thing about the Dutch is I, I know Britain and Romania topped the medal table, but the the Dutch got more medals in more events than anyone else. Mm. I think it was eleven, um, and and they are doing some really good stuff at the moment across their team. No, they yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's, it's definitely another team. I think last year as well. I know GB kind of stole the show a bit with their performances through the season, but. The, the Netherlands rowing team, again, was fantastic. I think you, so many of their crews seem to be going through this renaissance. We've spoken about the men's eight. Um, and then, again, the, the, the women's double seem to be finding fantastic form. 
And I know, you know, from what I've seen on social media, that combination, um, they look to be quite happy with how the, the, the combination is moving at the moment. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, how that field progresses, but especially now after the sort of pressure that the Romanians got put under, I sometimes feel like when that happens, maybe the rest of the world goes, hang on, maybe this isn't as, as a sealed deal as we thought it was. Yeah. Uh, the Dutch often though have a very good first, like their their first couple uh, regattas of the season are often like in a class of their own, and then either everyone catches up or they kind of don't manage to hold that form to world champs, mm. um, because they often regattas. I mean, there's been more than once where they've come like first, second in the four, or first, second in the double, or you know, like backing their having like a huge team there that's all performing. Um, the Dutch are often doing that early in the season. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and then Martin, my prediction for the women's <laughs> double is that this is the next event that's going to have their uh, world's best time broken. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I think that's a great shout. I, I think it is. Um, I, I think Belgrade can be quick, you know, with the right conditions. So it could happen there. Um, yeah. I don't know if those two crews will be in Varese, but you know that can be a quick course with the right conditions if you can handle mm-hmm. the rough water that it creates. Um, I think that there are some courses around where records could go. Yeah, definitely. And moving maybe moving on to the next event, which I also think that their record's gonna their record's got a good chance of going um, before this cycle is over. And that is the new gladiator event of all growing, the men's double skulls. Um, (laughs) Which I think at the moment is the most competitive uh, event in all growing with the number of crews and the caliber and pedigree of the crews you have in that event at the moment. It's it's ridiculous. And also not just that, the narrative. You have the Croatians that have got, in my opinion, the hardest task of their professional careers is going back into this double and getting the gold and then you have the french who are the olympic champions you have the dutch who um were you know the number one contenders robbed they were robbed robbed. (laughs) that's what lauren says and then you have all these crews that are literally behind those three that they can take the 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 medal on their day as well so i mean at the moment i i just love the men's double at the moment for me it's probably my favorite event yeah, and, and it was so exciting to see Matteo Satori, you know, um, the, the son of the great Alesso Satori, come out in the stroke seat. And I had a little sort of nudge from an Italian, uh, one of the former Italian rowers that is over in the UK and sort of watch out for this double because Luca mm. Ramboldi is really back with a vengeance. It does seem you know, that After that, yeah. And, and I think to lead to lead the uh, Sinkovich brothers in the way that they did. Again, that was mm. like the no fear. I mean, uh, you know, what is he, 22, Alesso Satori, something like that? Mm. Um, I think, yeah, it's just 21. Matteo Satori, sorry. Um, his dad's Alesso. Um, and, 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 you know, Italian sculling really did well this weekend. You know, both... Both the quad and the double. I thought Cadato in the single had a decent regatta as well. I think you know that was that was good news for the Italians. 
Yeah. But, um, the do you think the Italians? Do you think the Italians claim all the Romanian crews as well, seeing as though they they all coached by the Italians and row exactly like the Italians? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great shout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the Croatians were were sorry to to interrupt there. The Croatians were bloody impressive, as per usual. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was talking to Istok Chop um, uh, after the regatta, and he was telling this story about you know going on a run with the Croatians. The teams were kind of like together, and Istok's relatively light as an athlete, and you know. And he was telling me he they were running sub four minute kilometers. He said like something like three forty five or three forty six kilometers. <laughs> and he said Martin Sinkovic, he could hear him, his feet just pounding. He says he's like hundred kilos, and his socks <laughs> trying to just beat him, and he just wouldn't give up. And he kind of finished, and he said to the coach Nicky Ballard, you know, this guy, what's going on? And he said that's it with Martin. He just never gives up. It's never done for Martin Sinkovic. And you saw yeah, that, awesome. you know, come out in the race. Yeah, you really did. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always been a massive fan of the Croatians and I, I, I had a lot of respect for them, the way they handled, uh, the way they, they took that fourth place last year with such grace. Mm. And, but I got the sense, it was from watching them at the first World Cup and looking at them in person that they had so much energy. I mean, we, we've, we, this seems to be a theme of these, um, these athletes that have this energy about them, you know, well into their, their careers. And the Sinkovichs at the moment just seem to have this like buzzing energy um, in the yeah. double. And, you know, I think it's going to be, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's going to be the hardest um, challenge for them to, to win, to win this event again. I think the, the French, they didn't have a good weekend, but I think when the, when the French are, are, you know, on their day and the Sinkovich is on their day and the Dutch are on their day, I don't know who's going to win. And then now you add the Italian, the Italians into the mix, a resurgent uh, Irish double, which seems to have an X factor of about them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, plus you have many doubles that seem to be almost on the on the pinnacle of breaking that barrier into the, the, the top echelon of the event. So, I mean, really fantastic uh, event at the moment. I, I did hear a few people say um, maybe the French shouldn't have come to this regatta. Like they obviously weren't ready. I think someone else, someone who knew his stuff, was saying. Um, and mm. I just wonder, in terms of you know, I don't know if the French team intended to go to Varese or, or I guess Lucerne. But when we'll next see that French double, you know, I think when the wraps come off the French double next time, they'll be ready. Yeah, hundred percent. And but I think it's. Yeah. It's so competitive the event that as the second you are like just marginally off your your game or you're not having a, a good row out there, you you you're not going to make it through because there's just the depth is is so competitive. You know, if you if you in some of the other bow classes, you can have a bad day and you can still sneak through into the A final, and then you can have a bad day still get into the medals. Whereas mm. in the double, if you have a bad day, six crews are going to row through you. Uh, and I yeah. feel that's what's what's so good about the event at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, so talking so we the double for me was highlighted as the gonna be the race of the regatta. Then which double? 
this the men's double. Sure, the race be, of the regatta. That's and evolved. no, it was like before in the hype train. I said it's going to be yeah, the race was. of the regatta, but then yeah. coming going through the races, I mean, it's by after at the end of the regatta, it was a hard choice. So from my side, I it's hard to choose between um, women's pair. I mean, women's double and men's pair for me. I can't say. Yeah. I think I think men's pair might be. I'm just more attached to the men's pair. That's why I think it might be the race of the regatta for me. But women's double was incredibly close. So, from my opinion, if you're gonna go, if you hadn't watched the racing, those are the two races you need to go back mm. and you need to watch because those two races were absolutely incredible. And I cannot believe what happened in the men's double. I mean, yeah. men's pair. Sorry, men's pair. Yeah. Um, and and wasn't it right? You had you had the the gold medalists um, from uh, Rachiche, the silver medalists, the bronze medalists, the fourth place mm. pair. You had the four. Yeah, no, you really did. You had mm. um, you had the Romanians, you had the Spanish, you had GB, you had uh, yeah. the Serbians. Mm. They were the top four finishers from last year's World Champs. And neither, yeah, uh, neither of them won the regatta. No. And the thing was, the, the race, the semi-final, that I, I saw on the TV, but they, they didn't put the signal out, with, with, between the British and the Romanians, I mean, that was a really good race. And you, I kind of thought, all right, so this is a bit like the World Championships where the British beat the Romanians in the semi. And then mm. the Romanians did them off the start in the final. So the, the British were never going to let that happen. But then to see how the Spanish came back at them after the British moved away and then that Swiss mm. pair, you know, you hear loads of stories about Ian Wright's training methods and his coaching methods and how tough he is and how, to, you know, and, and, yeah. and I think... R- and now you is, see it coming and now you see yeah. it coming to, to the front. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, um, it's good... I'm actually, I'm really happy to see Roman doing so well in the men's pair because I know, you know, that he spent so much time in that double combination with Barnaby. Um, and, uh, you know, they were always a really good double, but to see him on top of the, of, of the world at the moment in yeah. racing in the men's pair, it's, it's, I think it's, it's really cool to see. And, yo, they look in fantastic form. I mean, the, the event, I thought the men's pair was a super competitive event. And for me, you know, if the if the, the the double for me is a gladiator event, I think the men's pair, I wouldn't be able to tell you who's going to win the the gold medal at World Champs. They'd so many crews no. um, that for me can win the gold medal. And I mean, not, we're not even mentioning the uh, the Danish crew, which seem to have a poor, uh, not the best performance of Europeans, but they they are very they are the Olympic bronze medalists. So they're back in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they finished eighth behind that new Dutch pair with the guy out of the quad from the Olympics, yeah, the gold medalist. Abe, yeah, Abe. Mm. Um, he, he yeah, and um, Gilliam Kramhoek who were in the pair. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. Um, and 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 of course that then Joachim's off on his on on his Odyssey adventure um, yeah. across the Pacific now he's 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 in the air to San Francisco I think as we speak yeah interesting times and then yeah, so, and then you still could add in like a New Zealand pair you could still add in Aussie potential pair. Aussie Aussie pair Canadian pair so like there's still quite a lot and I think that's why I chose it as the race of of the regatta on on in my opinion because of the kind of 
how exciting the race was coming down the track. There was so much going on. There was the the lead changing multiple times. It just I don't know. It was just a very very cool race to watch. And my other point that I think makes this really interesting is that the Romanians also doubling up in the eight. And are they going to carry on doing that, or are they going to eventually oh, call I've it a day? I've got an answer for you. I've got an answer oh, for you. Do you know? Because that's why well, I'm very interested. I spoke to Antonio Colomelici and said, are you going to double up at the World Championships? And he said, no, definitely not. It's impossible. If that was, he was just saying that all, but he, he kind of said, no, you know, maybe the timing of the events are wrong or whatever, but it doesn't sound like those Romanian rowers are going to do the, I think he's going to try a new eight at Varese or somewhere like that, maybe Lucerne. Mm-hmm. Um, and see how it goes. Um, I mean, we'll see when that comes out. I guess. Yeah, and I like this. I like this idea of doubling up an eight. I think it's a really cool idea, and it's a shame that it it, does, it doesn't catch on more on the men's side, especially. But I, 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 it just looks so hard, though. It does look really hard, but I, I sort of see why the I wouldn't want to double up if I was any of the Romanian athletes because I think they had a really good performance in eight. They just missed out on the gold medal, but for me, you could tell in the four and in the pair, they were feeling that that performance they put out in the eight, that yeah. they had to dig deep into the cookie jar, and I think the pair and the four. Um, really felt it when they yeah. needed to race in the A finals. Yeah, no so on the other side of that coin, do you think then, okay, so you do all this doubling up, you know, you've doubled up world champs last year, you do it now, say you do it one more world, uh, world cup, then you change back into a single event. Like, how does that boost you mentally? If you've now, all the previous regattas, you've been racing twice, you're and fresh. now you suddenly in this boat class that now you don't have to race twice, you're fresh, and you, that must just give you that little bit of extra belief yeah. down the track. So I think, you know, you get the benefit of being fresh and the benefit of mentally, like, believing that you are going to be in a better place. So I, there might be a little bit of Italian trickery there as well because the I think it's a big mental game as well. And, yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see if they don't double up how what yeah, that does to yeah, their, their yeah. performance. Yeah. But seeing them double up is bloody impressive though because i would struggle big time if mm. roger told me no listen we're gonna row you know pay and four or you know pay and double i would have really it would hurt a lot i think to get on the water for twice the the racing yeah i suppose the eight mm. is always a bit lighter because you don't have the same yeah you don't have the same that's why but it would still be bloody hard though yeah so martin your last thoughts on the men's pair. I want you, I want to know what you think of the the Lithuanian combination, the Stankunas twins, because I mean, talking about narratives, that performance they put out in the A final, I would never believe that they would be able to do something like that. And to see them up there with the best, and they just just couldn't didn't have the ability to to push on when all three of those crews were chasing a gold medal. But I thought that was a fantastic performance from a crew like that. Well, what? Yeah, I, I think you, you, you're spot on. I think you know, um, talking to Donata Caroline, I mean, she was so proud. I think it was four Lithuanian crews in the finals on Sunday. Mm. You know, of of the standard that the Lithuania is achieving, and um, I th- I think 
you know, again, Gianni Postiglioni, um, who is the Italian coach in the Greeks, he is now, he is consulting with the, he's their consultant. Um, mm. So Massilionis is is kind of the, the nominal coach, but I think Postiglioni is, is doing quite a lot of work. Um, and he's got these two young guys. And it's interesting, their profile, because I think they raced in Pierre de Luco, that Stan Kunis uh, twin pair. And, and they weren't, like, they didn't do that well. So this mm. was a massive step up for them. Mm. Um, and you kind of feel once they've done something like that, you know, then they could really take that on and do something more for the rest of the season. Mm. I think Gianni's in his prime on the consulting side, though, being able to like come in and just give that little bit of oomph to a team because that's what he did with mm. our team for for a number of years, ah, and yeah. you you dreaded him coming coming through and uh, and knowing that he was going to disrupt the the flow of things and and yeah. you know get you out your comfort zone. But it's um, I definitely think he's. A key there, and as and he's obviously doing a lot with Greece, and you can see their their results. So, um, very yeah. clear what's um that that he's having a big impact there. So, okay, so you have my race of the regatta, uh, Jake. What is your race of the regatta? Um, I would I would say the uh, well, this is quite convenient because we haven't spoken about it. The main single for me was definitely the, <laughs> the race of the regatta, <laughs> an absolute. Brilliant performance from the the Dutch scholar. I think uh, I don't know. For me, the, the the Netherlands rowing team has has got the best depth of single scholars in the world. When you yeah, consider yeah. what um, Steph Bruniak has done as an outsider in the men's skull, you wouldn't call him an outsider now. But I remember his yeah. race in twenty nineteen World Champs was an unbelievable performance. Mm-hmm. Malvin Twela, and now um, Leonard Van Leeuwen. Yeah. Leonard van Leroy. I mean, no one would have predicted that performance from him. And to go against Olympic champion and the world champion and, you know, in such a domineering fashion was impressive. No, it yeah, and do, do you know he used to be a lightweight? That's ridiculous. Yeah, in I the was men's skull. Back, yeah, you know, and... and um, and when you look at his sculling results, you know, he's been in the double. He he was kind of in the small final and, you know, there's nothing special. So you've got that silver medal in the men's eight. But, I mean, you know, it, it must be something about that training program that Ilko Meerhorst is putting through. Um, you know, it's that long, long distance, low intensity. Yeah. I'm told, you know, if they go one or two beats over their, their maximum threshold, they, they get a real telling off from the physios. They're monitoring everything. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, and, and, and it's clearly working for them. But, you know, I, um, it would be, I still expect Zeidler to win the world title in Belgrade. Yeah, I do too. And, and and I expect Ferry Nielsen to be in silver or bronze medal position. And, you know, I think Leonard Van Leroy has had the most amazing day. Now, the toughest thing for him will be to reproduce it. Mm. But Martin- yeah, but that's what he said about Stefanos as well. And he's now... Con- he continues to reproduce it. He yeah, does. I think he the, does keep coming back. I will say that Stefan Stefano seems to be 
a specialist scholar in certain conditions. Yeah. Rough. It was rough this weekend. He did well. Yeah. And it seems when it's flat, I think the way he rose, he gets, I think, a little bit outpowered. I mean, I feel, I feel like I am maybe disrespecting him by saying this. Uh, definitely no disrespect. But I think it went in flat conditions with the likes of Sferian and um, Oli. He just can, um, they can um, exploit what they have to uh, to their to their advantage in the flat conditions. I think a, a crucial piece is the fact that um, you know, it, like two years ago or three years ago, in this in these conditions, we would have said there's no way Oli is featuring, mm. and yet he led the race. He he could it look for a lot of the race. It looked like he could have won it. He looked so much more in control than he did. I think you even said down the track, Martin, that it looks like he's he's still in control, mm. even yeah, when Greg he, was saying that. Yeah, even, yeah, Greg was saying even when he's getting put under pressure, he looked in control, and I think it's just a, sh- a telltale sign that he's just rowing better and better. And it's not the that's not the Ollie we used to see, you know, a few years back in the in the rough water. And the uh, the other guys might be technically a little bit more efficient than than him, but every time he races, he looks like he gets better. Yeah. The only thing that surprised me about Ollie was I kept thinking, you know, you, you, you had that sprint finish he put out in 2019 in Linz. And I just kept thinking that's what he's going to do here because mm. maybe the water's going to be flatter as you get into the finish. Mm. But he didn't do it. And I, 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 I'm not sure why. You know what was missing um, because he was at a lower cadence than he usually is. So you kind of think mm. he's got somewhere to go. But so that surprised me about his his performance. But I, I did think it was a step on from him because, as you say, he did get the medal in in really rough conditions. Mm. He did, and with with Ali, every time I see Ali racing, he looks to. There's something about the way he rose. He looks to be. Um, engineering a performance every race he does seems to be slightly different Mm. from the run before and when i watched him racing last year i got the sense like for me his his race i know europeans was he got out sprinted at the finish but it looked like he went into europeans saying this is what what, this is what this is what i'm going to try to get right and he he didn't get it right but then at world champs he raced how he raced at europeans and he killed it and I'm I'm wouldn't be surprised if he went mm. to this Europeans and he's told himself, I want to try maybe it rode a lower cadence, and I don't know what his thought process was, but I wouldn't be surprised if this maybe the event wasn't the the end goal. The the top achievement would be, or obviously winning gold would be the top achievement, but maybe the real um, the real result for him is engineering a performance that's going to win him an Olympic gold, that's going to win him yeah, world champs yeah, and yeah, cement him yeah. as one of the mm. best colors of all time. Yeah. yeah, I think I agree with you a bit there, Jake. Because, yeah. like, he, yeah, he's definitely, he looks like he, he said, even when we chatted to him on the show, he's, like, very precise. You know, he's very German. Like, mm. he, he's ticking <laughs> the the boxes as he goes. You know, he's got his, his milestones to to reach. And I think... You know, the other guys almost taking, look like they're taking more risks. Mm, they do. Yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. still a brilliant race. And I still cannot believe when I look at the result sheet on what, how that has turned out, because I would have, it's probably one of the events I would have put money on 
uh, on Oli winning and it was far from what I predicted. Mm. So, um, um, Martin, we, you, me and Jake have given our race of the regatta. Is yours any different to, to our choices? Um, not, not really. I mean, you know, I think we, we talked to the men's eight, the men's pair. Um, I, 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 was so surprised at the women's double skull that really stood out for me. Um, I, I kind of thought this was the best European championships I'd ever seen in terms mm. of the quality of racing. I think so. Is, I, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and easily you could pick the men's single skulls and that fairy tale skull that Van Leroy had. Mm. Um, I, I guess um, I would have said uh, I would have said maybe the men's pair. Yeah. Um, just in terms of the quality of the field, and as as you you suggested, Lawrence Martin's I mean, only they, choosing it because I chose it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> there were, I mean, there were some, you know, that even people we haven't talked, you know, like Simona Radis just winning the double and then jumping in. She couldn't even be at the medal ceremony for the women's eight because she yeah. uh, for, for the women's double. And then um, Janssen, the Swiss sculler with the Macons. I mean, I thought oh, that was an incredible performance so too. That's the, only, that's the last race I want to chat about. Yeah, what, Martin, I, I've learned and I've spoken too much about this. I want you to, to explain to us what is the idea behind rowing. It's obviously working for her, but I can't just help look and say if she gets a composite cleaver blade and races yes. with that, she's going to be faster. I want to wait. I also want to hear Martin it's because technically faster from I an feel, engineering <laughs> point of view, it I, is faster. I feel like during the race, Martin and Greg were being very, very, <laughs> very diplomatic on their views on the the, the Mac on ore. And I want to hear your your unabridged version of the of what you think of rowing with a Mac on ore. Well, I, I can't believe that somebody is rowing with Macons and, and going that fast. Um, yeah. It, it, it seems crazy. Um, again, you, you raced in both, you raced with both. And you told us the story yeah. of you, of your coach swapping you guys between, between the heat and, and repercharge in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We raced. The heat with Macons and the Ret, which we qualified for the final with, with uh, Cleavers. Mm. Um, and um, I, I, you know, I think she rows, she's rowing a longer stroke than any, than any of the scholars in, in the team, mm. in, 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 in the race um, with those Macon blades. Uh, I, I, I think absolutely what you said, Jake, if she had like comp blades, she, she would fly. Mm. Um, like, I, I said the only thing that I can think about Martin is there's, there's some sort of technical component that rowing that Macon blades provide that some feeling component that Macon blades provide that the, that the normal cleaver blade doesn't. That's the only thing I can think about, but it's just, for me, you know, you've, it's like a technical innovation that we're rowing with cleaver blades. And it's like we've moved from uh, like a wooden boat, wooden to, boat a... to carbon fiber 
from composite materials to carbon fiber, you know, all these things. Now we're rowing with carbon fiber riggers. Um, so it, it's really interesting. Well, and yeah, she, she, she's a very tall woman. And I'm not sure though how, because she's quite young, I'm not sure how strong she is. She wouldn't yeah. be able to, I'm, I'm surmising now, she wouldn't be able to row that long in the water. With the cleaver um, blade? No. Yeah. But mm. she can do with Macons. And the, the other point is even her rig, her, her, the way she's set up in the boat doesn't look normal because her feet are like incredibly high mm. in the, on, the, on the footboard. And she's still managing to get that length because usually coaches are dropping those feet to allow athletes to sit taller, get get that right position and get tall and, and long into the front. And she it looks like she's just doing everything opposite and going incredibly fast. So yeah, yeah, it's it, mind-blowing. Gianni Postiglioni said he was really pissed off when um, – that the cleaver blades came in because he said he had finally worked out how to coach the catch for a Macon blade mm. with his <laughs> athletes. And, and I think, and, and with this woman, Janssen now, she is now, she is actually got a perfect Macon blade catch. Mm. I mean, she has, it's, it's just beautiful to watch. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe that shape it disturbs the water less as it goes in than a cleaver I think, blade. It's. I think that's why it's so controversial. Is because she is already going so fast, rowing like that. Everyone just wants to see if she went to the blade that everyone believes is faster. Would she be faster, and how yeah, much faster? Yeah. And on yeah. top of that, uh, Caroline Florin is. Destroying the mm, field is yes. incredible at the moment. She, I, she's untouchable for this yeah. season, I think. It'll be hard for anyone to come close. Uh, Emma Twig's got yeah. a big ask to to maintain her Olympic gold medal against yeah, Caroline. Yeah, I think moment. you're right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. did want to give, actually, bef uh, before I forget, just a shout out to the Polish men's quad. Yeah. Like I was talking to the British guys, um, and they basically said, you know, um, they they didn't have such a good um, skull in the first 500 metres, but they basically said, and I thought from looking at them, that Polish quad is at another level to every other crew yes. in that event. Yes, and they, they seem to have taken their, because they had such a fast double combination. I think it was with Fabian and Mateusz Biskop, Fabian Baranski and Mateusz Biskop, they were in the double. Yes. That was so fast. And they now that they're in the, in the quad... And I can't believe the, for me, what's surprising is the pedigree of Dutch sculling. And I always expect the Dutch squad to do so well. But like you say, the Polish men's squad at the moment is moving beautifully. I think they really had a fantastic, again, a really good race. And a, a race that they seem to have executed extremely well from, um, from like their point of view. I'm sure they went into the race. And at the, at at well, once they crossed the line, when they're in the team talk, I'm sure they they said to each other like, "We nailed it. We got we yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we we nailed everything we want to we wanted to achieve," because that's the confidence I saw when I watched them race that final. Mm. The, another thing that athletes were saying, you know, and you just had the old conversation, which had obviously come back from the crew coaches or the performance directors or the chief coaches, is they're basically saying. 
it's a long time to Belgrade. You know, that's what we're aiming for, four months in Belgrade mm. or whatever, however long it is. So, um, you, you know, uh, some of the crews that didn't get in, didn't get the medals they expected to do, like, you know, say British Women's Four, um, beaten by the Romanians. The, the, the kind of word for the coaches is, look, you know, this is... We're playing a long game here, so no, very long game. Yeah, I definitely. I, this is not the like it's not obviously you want to be fast at this time of the season, but this is not, not the, the m- most important part of the season to be fast at. If you if you if you can have like if you can learn from this regatta, you can come go back to your training venue with you know three things to work on. That's how you get faster going to and. You know, qualifying for the games this year is the big one. It's you know, anyone that has a medal at Europeans or a gold medal at Europeans but doesn't qualify for the games, that's the the person who's losing out. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. That's a great shout. Um, and then my last shout out before we wrap this thing up, my I cannot. I'll be doing a disservice to <laughs> the the Greek rowing team if I don't shout out Dimitra Kontu from the lightweight women's double, who's only 18 years old, and she won a silver medal in the lightweight women's double. For me, that is crazy for me, it's in that event, to to have someone that was born in 2005 uh, racing against that caliber of athlete and having a fantastic performance. So I, for me, I, I, I had it down on my notes, and I had big respect, because that, yeah, you know, yeah. you only, you, you have to think that for someone like that, you know, the, the world's, you, you own the only way forward. The only way you're going is forward. You're only getting faster. You're only getting better. You're only getting stronger. Yeah. And it's interesting that a talent like Anastasiadu, who finished second in the Europeans last year in the open weight single skulls, isn't in the Olympic class event. Mm. And, and I think that again, Postiglione, he was talking about Contu last year about this athlete that had fantastic boat skills that feel was everything. She wasn't strong at all, but the feel she had for the boat was amazing. And and clearly, you know, what what a talent. She's only going to get quicker, isn't she, between mm. now and Paris? Yeah, definitely. And then the last shout-out for me was is for you, Martin. You uh, you and the, the commentary team were on point uh, over the weekend. Ah, it, was, <laughs> it was really great. Fantastic. You, you and Greg were, were awesome. And then having Imogen Grant come in, I think, was was really, really cool. To just get that athlete's perspective down the down the track was awesome. So yeah, really made the the racing entertaining. And yeah, thanks for the work you were doing out there. Oh, that's so cool! Thank you ever so much. It was a lot of fun, and it's a great privilege to talk about rowing. Really, yeah. Is, yeah. as as you guys know. Yeah, and nice as we you. say, uh, rowers love to talk about rowing. We said we'd be forty five minutes now. We our <laughs> five minutes. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thanks so much. My Go get dinner. Wine. Yeah. yeah, a glass of wine. Sure. And yeah. enjoy your, your week. Enjoy mowing the, the, the grass. And yeah, uh, we'll, chat with you. we'll chat with you soon. Perfect. Thanks, Martin. All right. Thanks a lot, Martin. Have a good cool. evening. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Ciao.